0: This morning, our, our gospel is uh, the gospel according to St. Luke from the 12th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. And I need to walk over this way. <laughs> I think it's here. There it is. So, Luke records this morning Jesus speaking to his disciples in a crowd. And he starts with Jesus saying, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint. I am under until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you. But division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. He divided father against son and son against father and mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother in law against daughter in law, and daughter in law against mother in law. He said to the crowd, When you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, It's going to rain. And it does. And when you see the south wind blow you say it's going to be a hot one and it is you hypocrites you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky how is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time this is the gospel of the lord praise to you O christ you may be seated Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Paul writes in Romans 8, verse 1, these beautiful words, comforting words. Therefore, therefore, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's good news. And what what does that mean to you? You've just heard. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does that mean to you? What list? If you have one. Would you compile what comes to your mind that you've been acquitted of since you have been judged and not condemned? What comes to your mind when you hear no condemnation for you? What freedom do you enjoy in Christ. One more question. Actually, two. What is Christian freedom? We've spoken about this in the last few weeks. What is Christian freedom to you? What does it mean? It'll give you freedom to do what you want? Possibly. We could use that loosely. Paul says, all things are legal for me, but not all things are edifying. Not all things are good for me or for those around. Christian freedom, from your pastor's perspective here, and it's not one that I made up, but it's one that I agree with. Christian freedom is freedom from God's wrath. Freedom from God's wrath. His fire, his brimstone, his righteous justice on all who have sinned. And we are free from that. In our gospel this morning, Christ is addressing a large crowd as well as his disciples. There are Pharisees and there are Sadducees. There are experts in the law. There are those who were learned and studied and knew the Old Testament. So when he brings up first sentence, first word, fire, to be kindled, he brings up baptism, water in a baptism that he must endure. There is an Old Testament visual that those hearers would have understood, that in their mind they would have pictured God's, Wrath, God's justice delivered through fire and water. What do you mean? Well, in Genesis nineteen twenty-four, it says that the Lord rained down fire and brimstone from the sky upon Sodom and Gomorrah fire, and water. In Psalm 60, we know that the wicked, or rather we read, that the wicked will drink judgment from God's cup. Full strength. If we take a look at Psalm 60, it says, He also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured out in full strength in the cup of his anger. Whose anger? God's anger. And he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Now all this, Jesus is speaking to those who know the words of the prophets. All those know and have read, have memorized that, the experts of the law, the teachers of Israel. And further, he brings up yet another Old Testament prophet, and that is Micah chapter 7, verse 6, which is found on page 1449 of your pew Bible. And if you were to read it, it would look very similar to the gospel of where Jesus says that sons dishonor father, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law, and so on and so on. And the statement there is that a man's enemies are the members of his own household. A man's enemies are from within his own household. Household. He is talking not just specifically about your household, my household, or that little household or whoever was there. He's talking about the church. He's talking about those that have been left in charge to shepherd. And so, what does he mean? Why did he bring this up? What is the hearer to have understood back then? What are you to understand right now? Well, first of all, it's the seriousness of the situation. First of all, we need to realize and agree upon, which I'm sure we do, this is God speaking to these people. This is Jesus, fully man, fully God, telling them about what has to come, telling them the truth. I didn't come here for a big holy huddle. Hug. I came here to go through fire and a baptism that had to be done and it is going to be bitter and I'm not really looking forward to it. Well, he didn't say that. But he says that he is actually waiting for it, contending for it. He knows it's going to be painful. He knows it's going to be awful. And we also know in that prayer in Gethsemane where he says, Father... It is your will. Let this cup pass by. He knew what he had to drink, and he's telling him right now, he's prophesying right now that this is the stuff that has to be done for you. And you don't understand. Not you in this group, but you, the hearer of the time, the crowd, the disciples. You don't understand, and yet you should be like Solomon. And we heard this last week where Solomon prayed for a hearing heart, a leishomea. Father God, give me a leishomea, a heart with ears attached, eyes to see that I understand the scripture that you're putting in front of me. Make it so plain for me to understand as plain as the weather. Oh, wait. Jesus invokes that, where He says to you and to me, the weather. You can see clouds. And you can say, "Oh, it's going to rain." And you're right." He says to the crowd that has studied the prophets, "You can feel the south wind blow, and say, it's going to be a hot one. And you're right. But you hypocrites. You understand through my ministry here, not hidden, teaching in the temple, performing miracles, fulfilling prophets, prophecy, and yet, you hypocrites, who can tell if it's going to be hot, can tell if it's going to be rain, cannot see that the Messiah is in your presence right now. They didn't have hearts that were in tune with Jesus. I suspect they had to harden their hearts because the evidence was right in front of them. And rightly so, he calls them hypocrites. He says, you know better. You've been told. And yet you seek another. And that is human nature. That is the nature of this flesh. That is to seek one's own understanding. To not accept the gospel truth, but to seek Yet another explanation to create God, if you will, in our own image. It happens. It has happened. There are several theologies out there that are wrong. We tend to dilute God's law. We leave parts out, perhaps. Parts out in order to fit an agenda that maybe we will somehow benefit from. It may be an agenda agenda to get along. And here's another topic I want to bring up. Pastors across this country, in an agenda to get along and have a holy huddle, have engaged in what we call interfaith dialogue and prayer. Interfaith dialogue and prayer. How do you do that? What is it? Well, I can tell you what it is. It's Christian pastors come together with other leaders of other faiths. Praying. They call it building a bridge. But it's not building a bridge. In fact, those pastors that are engaging folks that are in faiths that do not identify Jesus Christ as fully man and fully God are doing a disservice. They are hypocrites. These pastors that engage in this kind of behavior, in interfaith prayer, that say maybe out loud, and some have, that we all worship the same God, that is wrong. There is a faith that is in the forefront of our news, that is in the forefront of this interfaith dialogue. And that faith is not a faith. It's an ideology, a political ideology. It's called Islam. And it's evil. And it's wrong. And it does not revere the same God as the God of the Holy Bible. Why and how can you say that, Pastor Ken? Well, I read their own book. And you can too. In the Holy Quran, they deny, Muhammad denies the crucifixion of Christ. Denies it, didn't happen. And that's not a small thing. That is everything. Christ in Him crucified. That's it. And so we can't compromise on that as a church and as a people. I'm not saying, oh, we go and hate. I'm saying those pastors cannot go and have a holy huddle with these people and have the media and the word get out that, hey, we're all going to the same destination because Jesus Christ says we are not. And Jesus Christ said, I am the only way. And if Jesus Christ were not crucified, if he did not die, if he did not raise again on the third day, in accordance to Scripture, we are to be pitied among all fools. We can't compromise on that. I will not compromise on that as your pastor. And these pastors that are getting and doing this holy huddle are like those that Jesus was talking about. He says, you can tell what the weather's going to do and you can tell if it's going to be hot or wet, but you're leaving something out, you hypocrite. And you're actually doing damage to these people by not telling them the truth. Jesus said, I didn't come here to bring peace. I came here to shake things up, to cause division. Because there aren't all roads leading to heaven. And he said it. And he's saying, I have to drink from this awful cup. Have you ever drank from a cup that you thought was fresh? beautiful cool milk and it wasn't do you remember how awful that tastes that 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 just is so not comparable to what that cup that he took and he drank for you and for me but he did it in fact He took the cup for you and for me. He drank out of it. He took the wrath. He took the pain. He took the sin. He took the death. He took the sulfur. He took the brimstone. He took the guilt. He took the filth and the shame of a death on the cross for you and for me, for all who should believe. He did that. And the freedom that we enjoy because of what he did on that cross, the freedom we have is freedom from God's wrath that we deserved, that he took on that cross. He took it all. All that ever was, all that ever will be, he paid it all. And he said it was finished. We receive this freedom in baptism. In a baptism like his. Of course without the nails and the beating and the scourging. But our old Adam dies. Our old person dies in that water. And when we come up, we are resurrected in a resurrection like his. We are made new by him, by what he did on that cross. And we will be made new upon leaving this wretched body of death. That's good news. And so until then, in our scripture from Paul, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, causes us to trip, and let us run with perseverance. That means sticking to it. Right? Right? Persevering past those obstacles, past those pains, past those doubts, past those sorrows, past those things that come to us in life, persevering the race that has been marked out to us. There's a race that's been marked out for you. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who. Jesus, who, for the joy set before him, endured that cross, scorning its shame, and he sits at the right hand of the throne of God, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. So let us come together. Let us come alongside one another to encourage each other on persevering on that race that's been set, on encouraging us to keep going, on encouraging us and giving us cheers. At a boy, at a girl, good job. You need to hear that. I need to hear that. The world needs to hear that. Those who believe need to hear that. They need to hear it in ways like here's a letter for you, Pastor Chris. Good job. I know there's obstacles down there. I know when not very many people show up, you probably feel a little like you let him down. I'm here to tell you that God's going to do wonderful things through you, that's his promise. That's a cloud of witness. You guys are part of that cloud of witness. Let us with joy, let us with joy proclaim Christ and Him crucified. Let us defend the faith, the one and true faith. Not compromise. I'm not talking about a holy war or persecution of other people. I'm just saying, no. (laughs) That's not, true. Let us live in peace knowing the perfecter of our faith. The Perfector of our faith is cheering us on along with a great cloud of witnesses. May that comfort you and bring you peace. In the name of Jesus. Amen.